love for you to join me in John 14, if you would. <clears throat> Text Donnie read for us a bit ago. Glad that we get to be here. Good crowd today. Looks like a really good crowd. I'm glad we get to worship together today. Love God, love people, change the world. We're thinking today about the first of those, the love God part. What does it mean to love God? I wonder what it would be like if we took a poll. As you left this morning, we just had ushers stationed at the various locations and just did a little, little quick questionnaire thing. Do you love God? My guess is, in this crowd, we'd be close to 100%. Maybe 100%. Maybe, maybe everybody would, would say yes. And I, I, would, I would hope that, you know. I, I would hope that. I'd be excited by 100%. I wonder what, we, what kind of results we'd get if we did that in the state of Alabama. Just uh, maybe without any context, we don't have to explain what we mean by this. Just do you love God? I don't know. I think it would be upwards of 90%. I might be wrong about that. I don't, you may disagree with me about what it, what it would be, but I, I think it would be upwards of 90%. I think it'd be a little bit lower than that if you took the entire United States and you asked that question, do you love God? I think the... I think the number probably would still be north of 80%, you think? Do you love God? The question would be answered by more than 80%. I, th this is all speculation. I have no idea. As far as I know, nothing like this has been done. But I think it would be pretty high. But what does that mean? And that's really the important thing. You know, what, what does it mean? If you and I say, yeah, 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 I, I love him. I, I love God. Of course I, of course I love God. That's why I'm here. I love, what does that mean, though? I mean, what does it mean to love God? You know where this is going. We've already read the text. I've already introduced this thought to you. You know where this is going to go in John 14. But, I mean, you think about it. What does it mean to love God? I think sometimes when maybe we think, well, love God means saying it. It means some sort of feeling. It means, I don't know. I don't know what, what kind, of, kind of ambiguous kind of answers we might come up with. And it, it really is something that's a little bit hard to nail down as far as if you're going to measure something. And I don't know, I don't think God is, is interested necessarily in measuring like we love him with 80% of our hearts or whatever. But it's got to mean something. This is a central command of what it means to be in a relationship with God. You'd agree with that, wouldn't you? That this is, like if we're, if we're talking about loving, if we're talking about being Christians, then at the very center of that discussion is going to be loving God. That's, that's right there at the heart of it. So it, it's pretty important for us to think about, okay, I want to know if I actually do that or not. Because you and I would agree on this. God cares a whole lot more about how we live than what we say about our feelings. So God, so God cares more about how we're going to express this love on a daily basis than he does about what we might say in response to a, to a question from an usher or whatever. God, God cares about that. So what we say and what we do may be two different things. We, we recognize that's a possibility. So let's look at John 14. Now the text is pretty basic. At least, well, not, not all of it, but some of it's kind of basic. The first part of it is... And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, even before we get to that, in thinking about what that means, I want to talk to you about why we might struggle in thinking about obedience, you know? Because I've got this here. I don't, you thought about this? When obedience is bad. And some of you may be thinking, well, how could obedience ever be bad? I mean, especially if you're talking about obedience to God. How could that ever be bad? So let's think about it for a minute and why we, might, why we might have a temptation to recoil a little bit from too much of an emphasis on obedience in our current kind of Christian context in America today with a little bit of a background here would be, would be this. It might help us think about it more clearly. 
there has been, for the last 500 years especially, 500 years, I would say, since the Reformation, since Martin Luther, John Calvin, the 16th century in Europe, since, since the day of that, and, and um, especially some things that Martin Luther wrote about, we're saved by faith only. You know, that faith only. There was very much of an emphasis. And that was coming out of a context of, of the Catholic Church of that time, you know, in the, in the Middle Ages and in Europe in that time had become very much of a kind of a works-based system. You, you pay this money, you do this thing, you say this prayer, you know, do these various things, and then you kind of, you do those things, and then God gives you something. So it's a quid pro quo kind of thing. I do this, then you do that. It's kind of that sort of thing. So Martin Luther and some of the others were responding to that, and, and they really, really did, did not like, they thought it was an injustice. They thought it was wrong to have this kind of thing where you, you do all these, check all these boxes, and then God gives you that, putting God in your debt almost. And they, so they, they responded to that. And, and this notion of faith only, it was really a reaction to that, and it de-emphasized to an extent. Now, I don't think this is what Luther intended, and I don't think it's what Calvin intended and some of the others, but it, it de-emphasized or under-emphasized obedience. Because if we're saved by faith only, if we're saved by grace only, through faith alone, in Christ alone, then that of necessity removes works. All right? So we don't want to emphasize works lest we take away from the fact that we're saved by faith only. So that's about 500 years ago. And that's, I recognize that's very much of an oversimplification of what happened. But I'm just trying to give you some context for why some people might recoil from an emphasis on obedience. It's because of that, that we've been ingrained in Christianity for the last 500 years that we're, we cannot earn our salvation. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. It's not about climbing a stepladder. It's not about climbing and getting closer to God. You earn it in any respect. So because of that context, sometimes when you talk about obedience, people are like, wait, wait a second, preacher. You're becoming a legalist. And, and a legalist is somebody who emphasizes that salvation comes through works or salvation comes through obedience. See the, see the setting here? So obedience can be bad. Here's the thing. This is what I want you to know before we get into kind of putting that behind us and talking about why you need to be somebody who's obedient. Obedience can be bad when you trust in it for your salvation. And I think that's what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 when he says we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Not of works, lest anybody should, you remember what he says? Lest anybody should boast. What he's saying there is, we are not saved by works. We're saved by the grace of God through faith. It is not based on your works because if you trust in your works, if you think you can be saved by your works, then you're going to pat yourself on the back and you're going you're to miss the location of your salvation. And it comes from what God does in us and through us and for us, right? So obedience can be bad. If you trust in it to earn the favor of God and think that by my obedience, God owes me something. I check these boxes, I, I, I do these steps, and at the end of that box checking exercise, at the end of that stair climbing exercise, okay, God, you owe me, you give me this if I do this, that sort of thing. That's unbiblical. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's not what Jesus is talking about. So when obedience is bad, and, and one more thing before we... Before we look at John 14 more closely, is there are all sorts of motivations for obedience. Let me give you, let me give you five or six. I'm not going to expand on these really, just, just tell you. Five or six reasons why you obey and I obey. Number one, 
We, we obey because of fear sometimes. Sometimes we do it because of fear. Now, anything wrong with that? Don't answer that out loud, but because I don't think it's a yes or no sort of thing. I mean, do, we obey because of fear. Is there anything wrong with you're taking your three-year-old and as expression sometimes goes, you put the fear of God in him? Anything wrong with that? Three-year-old needs to know some fear, right? There's nothing wrong with that. So sometimes that three-year-old needs to obey out of fear, out of fear of punishment, maybe, out of fear of consequences, out of fear. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, that that three-year-old has in him or her this, this recognition that concept, disobedience brings about negative consequences. There's nothing wrong with that. So we recognize that. But at the same time, hopefully, by the time that three-year-old has matured and he's now a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old or a 35-year-old, that his or her obedience is brought about not because he or she fears the punishment that mom or dad's going to bring, but rather out of some other motivation. So this maturation process is going to bring us past the point of obeying because of fear. So sometimes we do it because of fear. Nothing wrong with that. You obey God. Have you obeyed God? Did you obey the gospel? Did you become a Christian at least in part because you didn't want to go to hell? Jesus talked about hell quite a bit. So I would never try to water that down and remove it from our thought process. Jesus talked about it for some reason, that there's uh, this, this, this eternal punishment that people who are disobedient will experience. And so there's nothing wrong with obeying, at least in part, because of fear. But I would suggest to you that that's not the highest motivation. For if we're going to categorize these in some way, that's going to be somewhere near the bottom. Here's the second one. Sometimes we might obey because of guilt. Because of guilt. Sometimes you can be guilted into obedience by your parents. You can be, you can be guilted into obedience by your church family, by a sermon, by a class. Just guilt. Man, I feel awful about myself. And so I'm going to try to do a little bit better. It might work for a little bit. My experience is guilt can make me do something at least a little bit, but it doesn't last very long. That's my experience, maybe yours as well. Here's a third one. We might obey God because we want God to love us. We want to earn it. We want, to, we want God to love us and be proud of us and be pleased with us. We want God to do something for us, and so we obey. That's kind of getting back to the legalism idea. So we obey God, or maybe we obey our parents because, you know, the carrot, mom and dad holding out a carrot, if you do this, if you don't do this, you know, after seven days, I'll give you this carrot. Sometimes we might view God like that. God's holding this carrot out here, and if I, if I do this and don't do this, then at the end of the week or at the end of my life, I get the biggest carrot of all. You know, I get to go to heaven. So, I, so, so I'm earning it, that, that kind of thing. A fourth reason is we might obey because we believe it's better for us. We believe it'll work out better for us in the long run if we obey. Is that true? So, God, God wants us to obey Him because uh, it's better for us. God knows what makes us tick. He knows He created us. He knows this world. He knows what works best for us. All things work together for good to those who love God. Romans eight twenty eight, and part of that loving God is keeping His commandments. So certainly, God is going to bless His people if we obey. So, but but that 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 one again is kind of turned inward, isn't it? I obey because I know that it's going to be better for me. That's, that's kind of like bending around in on, in, on myself. We might obey God. Here are three more, just briefly. We, we obey God because we trust Him. We just sing about that. We 
And two weeks ago, when we talked about trust, I believe Kyle led us in that same sermon, appropriate two weeks ago, and it's appropriate today, this connection between trust and obedience, right? We, we trust in God, and therefore, we obey Him. We might obey God because we're grateful to Him. Because we, we want to thank Him. Lord, all that you've done for me. We celebrated that in communion a moment ago. All that you've done for me, Lord. I want to obey you. I want to please you. Because how could I do any less after all you've done for me? And then the last one is we obey God because we love Him. We love Him. And we're going to talk about that for the rest of the time. Those last three, we talked about fear, uh, guilt. We want God to, we want to earn it. We want to... We think it'll be better for us. And then there's trust, there's gratitude, and there's love. And I think those last three are kind of tied up all together. So my question is, why do you obey God? What is the highest motivation for your and my obedience to God? Now look at our text. John 14, 15. Okay? If you love me. Some of you have a Bible that says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's fine. That's fine. It's one way of putting it. But I don't think it's the best way to put it. I don't think that's uh, the best translation of what Jesus says here. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's, it has Jesus giving a command here. So, if you love me, and then the imperative, keep my commandments. Okay? That is a slightly different way of translating what he said. And this one, I think, is a little bit better. The ESV puts it, and the one we read from a few minutes ago, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, that's just a subtle difference, but it's a pretty important one. If you love me, this is how you will live. This is what you will do. Now look throughout our text. Skip down to verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Look down at verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Look at verse 24. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And so four times in this paragraph, in this section, Jesus connects loving him with obeying him. But I want to focus in on the first one of those in verse 15 because it's pretty, it's pretty neat the way Jesus says this. If you love me, he doesn't say, I don't think this is what he meant, if you love me, then I want you to obey. If you love me, then obey me. That's not what he says. He says, if you love me, the natural response to loving him is to want to be obedient. This is, he's, he's, he's describing what this relationship is, not what it ought to be. He's not saying, if you love me, you ought to keep my commandments. He's saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You notice the difference there? It's not, if you love me, then, I'm, then I really, really want to encourage you to show that love by your obedience. If you love me, then demonstrate that love by doing what I say and not doing what I tell you not to do. That's not what he says. He's describing a state wherein people who love him already are obeying him. It is the natural outgrowth of love to be obedient. And I think if you think about it, it's a pretty powerful saying from Christ. He's saying to us that this is what happens when you love Him. So if you don't keep commandments, there's something wrong with your relationship to Him. And sometimes we address the wrong thing. We try to change our obedience by increasing our self-will. 
being more disciplined. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to sing louder. Doesn't work. Because that's not the problem. The problem isn't your obedience or disobedience. That's not the issue. The issue is your relationship with Him. There's something lacking there. That's where the issue is. It's not in the outflow. The problem is in the status of your relationship to Jesus Christ. If you love me, this is what naturally happens. Because people who love Him, they will do what He says. That's what Jesus is describing. I've said that, you know, in 20 different ways. I want you to get that point. This, this, is, this is crucial. This is what it looks like to love Him. It looks like obedience. That is not legalism. It's not earning your salvation. It's not saying, Lord, I'll do this and you give me this. It's just saying, Lord, I love you. I, 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 Jesus, I, I love you. And then instinctively, naturally, it's not that you say necessarily, though there's intellect involved in it but, and there's volition involved in it, but it's not so much that you say, oh, I love you, Lord, and so let me do this to show you. No. It's more of an unconscious thing. It's more of a, man, we, we love him. And so what do you do when you love him? And you're going to do what he says. Because you, you, just, you just love him so much that you want to please him. You want to share your gratitude for him. You trust him already. And so this, this natural outgrowth is to be obedient. Now, how do you do this? There's something in this text that is pretty important, really important. I was reading this. I, I don't know if, I guess I've never noticed this before. Because quoted John 14, 15 a thousand times. You know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's a pretty off-quoted verse. But in my mind, at least, I hadn't connected it with a paragraph, which is the cardinal, you know, that's breaking one of the cardinal's rule, cardinal rules of reading your Bible is to take a verse and not, not read what's before it or after it. But I think we do that sometimes with this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so we say, you see, you love God, you'll obey him. And that's true, as far as it goes. It's true. But we're not, not getting what Jesus also says here. And so I noticed this this week, and, and I thought, this is, pretty, this is pretty important. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then he goes on and he says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I think he's talking there about the resurrection. And I think he's talking about what's going to happen after the cross in, in, that, set, in, that, in that part of the text. And then he goes on and he's, he talks about his relationship with the Father. And then on down below in verse 25, I've spoken to you this while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now, here's the thing. Here's a connection I want you to see with our text here because I'm guessing you're here as somebody who wants to love God and you want that love to be demonstrated naturally, unconsciously by obedience, right? You want that. How, though? We've probably all been in this situation before where we're like, Lord, I love you, but man, I have an awful time being obedient lately. Or in this specific area, Lord, why am I not being obedient to you here? <clears throat> I love you. I think I love you, but maybe I don't love you because look at this area of my life and it's not what it ought to be. 
And so we struggle with obedience. It's like, it's difficult. It's hard. You know? There's, so what's the problem? Does God give us any help? So the connection here in our text, I believe, is this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Is it, is it a coincidence that Jesus just happens to say right here after this, if you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments, knowing that it's sometimes hard to keep the commandments of God. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then right in that same text, is it a coincidence that Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the word he uses is translated by the ESV helper. You may have comforter. You may have something different. But is it a coincidence that Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And then he says, and I'm going to give you a helper. What in the world is the helper doing? I think interpreting this in the context of the whole Bible, what the Holy Spirit is doing, one of his chief activities for God's people is he's helping us obey. That's what he's doing. Let me read you something. This is in Ezekiel. You might write this down, look at it later if you like. But I'm going to read it to you. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Ezekiel is looking ahead to the coming of Jesus. He's looking ahead to the Christian age. What God is going to do in his people when the Lord comes. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. And I will give you a new heart. I want a new heart, don't you? And I'll give a new spirit. A new spirit I will put within you. I want a new spirit, don't you? And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Everybody in here wants a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. So we want the new heart. We want the new spirit. We want the heart of flesh. And then he says this, and I will put my spirit. Translators capitalized that S because I think they were right about this. They were, God was talking about not, not a mortal spirit, but rather talking about the spirit. So I will put my spirit within you. Listen to this. This is power. I want you to hear this. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit. I'll give you a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And I will cause my spirit to live in you. Why? What's he doing? What's the Holy Spirit doing in Christians today? The spirit will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here's what I want you to see. You and I have a hard time being obedient when we do it by our own power. When we do it by self-will, self-discipline. When we try to white-knuckle it. I just try harder. If I just do better. If I just, whatever, sweat more. Whatever. Then it'll happen. And I think that's wrong. Self-will lasts for a short time. You ever tried to self-will yourself out of a bad habit? How long did it last? You ever tried to white-knuckle it? It doesn't work for long. The problem might very well be that we're putting the effort in the wrong place. That we're trying to be self-willed about it. We're trying to put the trust in us. If I would just do better, if I'd just try harder, if I would... If only I, if I can only do this, if I, why am I such, you know, what's wrong with me and, and all this? It's just kind of a, what is that? It's a very self-centered kind of thing. As if we've got it within ourselves, separate and apart from what God is doing. We've got it within ourselves. 
to do what he wants us to do. And I think what the Bible teaches us with that Ezekiel passage and others in the New Testament is that we've got at some point, we've got to recognize, Lord, I can't do this. You ever prayed this prayer? Lord, I've tried. I've tried to stop doing that. And I've tried to start doing this. And it worked for a little bit. But Lord, I keep coming back to it again and again and again. I just can't do it. What's the answer to this? Try harder? That won't work. Maybe it's because we're being, everything's turning, pointing back at ourselves. Instead of submitting ourselves to God and just saying, Lord, you know what? I can't do it. I cannot obey apart from your empowering me to obey. I cannot do it through my own effort. But God says, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll be careful to obey my rules. Listen to this, Romans 8, 12 and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. What is according to the flesh? This is without the spirit of God, by your own effort, by your own will. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What's he saying there? That by the spirit... By the Spirit, you put to death those things you don't want to do, that you ought not be doing. And by the Spirit, you walk in His statutes. So what's the answer to this? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How do I do that, Lord? By the Helper. That's why he talks about the Spirit in the very next verse. What's He doing? He will help us. He will come beside us. He will comfort us. He will strengthen us. He will empower us. He will enable us to obey the Lord. That's what He does. So where does this leave you? If you're not being obedient to Him, your relationship to Jesus is the most important part of this and part of that relationship to Jesus is having a relationship to Him through the Spirit. This whole text here, He said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to come again. I think that's in the resurrection. But, but He's looking ahead even beyond that. And after the resurrection, Jesus is going to depart. And then the Spirit came over the apostles. The Spirit descended on God's people, the Spirit lives within the church corporately, but also individually as Christians. And so if I'm not being obedient, maybe it's because I'm putting the effort on, my, on, on myself. You're, you're trying to, to, to think that you're going to do this on your own. Maybe you haven't yet got to the point where you can simply say, I cannot do this on my own effort, Lord. just can't do it. I can't do it. I just, I'm just going to turn it all over to you. I'm going to submit it to you. I'm going to love I'm going to love you with all my heart. I'm going to try my best to, to, to just turn it over to you because I can't do this alone. I wonder what would happen in your life and mine if you just turned it over to Him, if you just submitted to Him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments because if you love Him, the Spirit is going to live within you and He is going to make your life an obedient life. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about trajectory. We're talking about a life, a, a life that's, that's heading upward, a life that is going to go down and up and down and up, but the trajectory is heading toward Him, toward obedience. That's what we're talking about here in our text. What does it mean? What does it mean to obey? It means to live consistently with the Lord's calling. Now, quickly, before we're done, here's the main point, and you, you get this by now, I hope. That if you love God, it leads to obedience. But what does obedience look like? You know, what does it look like? What is it? I guess we talk about that a lot, you know, because that's, uh, that's all over the Bible. It's loving God and leads to obedience, and that obedience looks a certain way. But I think in the context of John here, what he's talking about is, he's not talking about a specific command necessarily, but he's rather talking about learning to, to live like Jesus. He's 
Obeying Jesus is, is walking in His steps. It's, it's being like Him. In the context, one chapter before, John 14, John 13, you've got the foot washing incident, the episode with Jesus where He takes off the robe and He puts on this towel and He washes the feet of the disciples and He says, this is what I want you to do. In John 14, earlier in this chapter, He says, I want you to love one another. In the context of, of John 14 where He says, if you love Me, you will keep My commandments. In the context... He's saying you're going to serve the people around you. You're going to love one another. That's something we're going to explore later on this year with our love people idea. You can't separate these, though. Loving God is loving His people. John 13 talks about serving people. John 14 says you ought to love one another. And then he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So what does it mean to keep the commandments of Jesus? It means you're going to follow Him wherever that goes. You're going to learn to love what He loves. You're going to learn to hate what He hates going to learn to be more like Him in your priorities, in your thoughts, in your desires, in your actions, in your words. Loving God leads to obedience. We come back to our question that we started with. We did a survey as you left the auditorium today. Do you love God? I hope your answer would be yes. <clears throat> But be informed about what, what you're saying when you say yes to that. We live in the Bible Belt, you know, and people come to church as a matter of course. It's just what we do in the South. Right? We go to church. Love our mamas and go to church on Sunday. <clears throat> what does it mean, though? What does it mean to love God? It's more than just saying it. It's more than just having your name on a church roll. It's more than being baptized. It's more than singing songs, four-part harmony. It's, it's walking the Jesus way. That's what it is. It's serving one another, washing feet. It's loving one another in the church and in our communities. It's being obedient to His calling. It's loving what He loves and hating what He hates. It's conforming our words and our actions and our thoughts and our priorities to those that he modeled for us. In John's context of the Gospel of John, he is, he's encouraging us to be Jesus' people, to be Jesus' people in everything that we are. He's not pointing to a specific command or a, a thou shalt not or a thou shalt. He's simply saying, if you love me, you're going to become Jesus' people. You're going to start following him, doing what he did, and loving whom he loved, and hating what he hated. That's what we're going to be as God's people. If you love me, this is the way it's going to be. If you are a lover of Jesus, you're going to be a keeper of His commandments. The second flows naturally and instinctively from the former. If you're not a Christian this morning, we invite you, though. We invite you to come to Him. If you love Him, I think that this principle is relevant to you, regardless of where you sit today. If you sit here as one who's not yet in Christ, not yet a follower of Jesus, what this means is, if you want to come to Him, if you want to love Jesus, you want to be a Jesus lover, then what He says to you is, come to Him in obedience. Obey the Gospel today. Give your heart to Him. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. Confess Him. Turn away from what's been inconsistent with Him. Be baptized into Him. And by His grace and blood, He will save you today. What a beautiful thing that is. We'd love to join with you today as you obey Him. Maybe you've done that. Most of you have. But your life has not been consistent with one who says he or she loves God. Maybe that's something you need to take care of between you and the Lord when you get home. 
Maybe you need the help of your church today. We'll help you however we can. Let's stand and sing this song.